Welcome to My Limited View with me, Sergio Novoa, where we share stories and expand our views. We all have a story. What's yours? What's yours? Welcome back to My Limited View. I hope you guys are doing well. It is something's going on with my voice. I'm not sure what happened. I did a show last night at the improv, and this morning I woke up like this. So hopefully you can still understand everything I'm saying at the moment. Our special guest today is a local performer who moved here from the UK. And as I'm sure most of you are aware, there's this whole push in this negative narrative when it comes to transgender and people, politicians have this misconception that people wake up one morning and just choose to want to be a different gender. And my guest today had a very interesting story and shares his process uh, and the decisions his doctors made, unbeknownst to him, that later presented to be an issue once his body started to naturally develop. So I hope you guys enjoy this interview. And if you do, at the very least, I hope that it makes you think and wonder what that journey is for someone, whether they're gay or transgender or any other thing, anything that looks different from what you know to be true. And uh, that's pretty much all I hope for that you get out of this interview. Um, if you like it and you can share it with other people, I'd appreciate that. So yes, uh, again, welcome back. And here's my interview with my very special guest. So welcome my special guest, Seven Graham. And if you've ever seen this performer on stage, uh, he is better known as Seven G. Welcome, Seven. How are you? Hey, I'm really good. How are you today? I am good. I've got a little scratchy throat. I'm not sure what's happening, but you know. Um, <laughs> but thank you so much for doing the podcast. You and I came in contact in the LA comedy scene. Mm-hmm. And um, as we are all aware at the moment, the push against drag performers, transgender performers, uh, mainly by the Republican Party, who it's so funny because they always claim that Democrats have all these cultural wars. And we're like, we're not the ones bringing these things up, you are. Um, yes, the, it, as a Brit, it's very interesting coming to the land of the free and then seeing all of these arguments about freedom and free speech and who's actually trying to respect, restrict speech and freedom. One of the reasons I wanted to talk to you about because when we met and we, you shared your story with me, I think the biggest problem with people who are anti-trans is they don't understand. They think that one morning someone wakes up and just decides that they want to be a female or want to be a male or whatever the spectrum is on sexuality and gender identity. And you had a very unique situation. Mm. So let's go yes. back in time. And oh my goodness! <laughs> but well, the thing is, yeah, my story, my story is 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 a kind of interesting one in terms of the trans discussion because um, I when I the, like the first words out of my mouth, practically, I knew that I wasn't the girl that people thought I was. You know, I was assigned female at birth, and I knew, you know, from my um, earliest memories that I did not vibe with female that I uh, I just didn't connect with it. I liked boy things. I liked boys much more than I liked girls. I wanted boys to be my friends, not girls. I wasn't interested in babies and dolls and all of that stuff. I was very much interested in action and adventure and climbing, you know, when I could walk and climb and stuff, climbing trees and, and um, you know, uh, playing with trucks and all of that. Um, I was in, I was at war with my mother through my childhood because she really wanted to have the pretty blonde girl with long hair and pigtails and all of that stuff and put me in party dresses. And uh, I literally used to have screaming matches about putting on a party frock to go to a party. I, I just hated it. I wanted to wear pants and I wanted to, you know, to look as tough as possible and have as short a hair as possible. So that that was my, my stuff as a child. Um, and then... Um, but when you uh, were born, yeah. um, what was going on when you said you were assigned female at birth? Yes. Give me a little bit on that background, like when you were born and just the genitalia, things that the doctors did and all that. Well, what, what I, I, I actually found out when, I'm 20, when I was 24, 25 that I'm intersex, um, which means that I'm biologically both sexes. 
that I actually did pass as female, as a female baby from this sort of genital point of view. There's a, they have a, they have a, doctors have a range of acceptable sizes for how big or how small a penis can be and how big and how small a clitoris can be. And my clitoris was big when I was born. And I do a very funny bit about this in my, in my act. I was born with a big clitoris. Nobody gets excited about a baby girl having a big clitoris, but I was born with a big clitoris, but it was within the acceptable size to not be a micro penis. So they had no issue assigning me female at birth and thinking I was female. And for the audiences who don't know, um, intersex is, how would you, how would you explain intersex to someone who's yes. heard those terms? It's quite complex, complex as biology is when you actually start digging into biology. But basically, we're told that that we have men and women, Adam and Eve. That's the original fairy story of humanity, isn't it? Well, there's actually a lot of people who sit between male and female in the, and there's a spectrum of sex rather than binary sex. And the differences can be hormonal. They can be uh, they can be uh, differences in terms of the kind of internal organs you have. Um, all, there's, there's many different intersex conditions, and I encourage your audience to please go away and Google it. There's a very good um, youth charity called Interact, I-N-T-E-R-A-C-T, Interact um, Advocates, who uh, have all of the have all of the articles and the stuff that explain all the different intersex conditions. Mine is something called androgen insensitivity sy syndrome, and I actually have partial androgen, androgen insensitivity syndrome. So I was born with a vagina, which I now call boy pussy you can call it vagina if it means you can stay straight but I call it boy pussy so I was born with a vagina I was born with a large clitoris um, but I they thought I was female biologically female but then when I was eight a gynecologist ran a, ran a chromosome test on me and discovered that I have xy chromosomes so I have male chromosomes and I actually had internal testes instead of internal ovaries. So I really am a mixture of both sexes. I really am two for one. For anyone listening, you hear the argument about trans people and how they choose this. Here's a perfect example. Um, I remember watching an episode on Oprah and they had multiple guests and they ranged uh, from someone who had an, as I would call it, an Amy or an Audi who had a large clitoris. So this was a female with a lot of male uh, testosterone. So her features mm -hmm. were kind of masculine, um, mm -hmm. but it was a woman and her clitoris, she said it was, it was an Audi. It was quite visible. And there was another woman who outwardly presented female, but her testes dropped inside. So she didn't have ovaries. So mm -hmm. she wanted to have children. She presented female, but internally, her body did something else. And I think sure. people argue the whole trans movement thing. This is the stuff they don't know. Here, yes. you were born as a child with both chromosomes. And your doctors said, you know, selected female. Yes, this is the thing you see. A, a lot of trans people that they don't have such an obvious biological thing that we can say, ah, this person is trans because of this. But you know, the same when you start digging into biology and what we know about the human body and science, like neuro, I'm an I'm an addiction expert and an addiction therapist, and um, I've done a lot. I sat on something called the Advisory Council on the Misuse of Drugs in the United Kingdom, which was uh, a lot of government, sorry, a lot of scientists who advised the government about drugs addiction, mental health. Um, and when you start really digging into science, you discover how much we don't know in certain really important areas. Neuroscience is one of them. Now, neuroscience is advancing massively year by year um, because we have technology now where we can actually really get a look at the brain as it's operating in real time. But there's so many things that we don't know. I'm pretty sure that at some point we will start to discover some kind of biological, neurological basis for trans identity. We haven't at the moment, um, you know, but just like for years, people were obsessed with, well, what made somebody gay? And, you know, psychoanalysis really got into the whole idea that it was something to do with the, the parenting, you know, a dominant mother made a gay man and all of that stuff. To, to pathologize it in some way and say that it could have been different. It could have turned out straight if things had gone right. Well, the same thing with trans at the moment. Trans people are experiencing many of the same arguments that gay people experienced in the 70s and 80s in terms of what's wrong with us, rather than just accepting that people know who they are. You know, I knew who I was from the word go. I knew I wasn't a girl. 
you I'm sure knew that you weren't a girl too as anybody in this audience had a sense of who they were as a person and it's very challenging when you know who you are and everybody else is telling you that you're not who you are it creates a real schism in your per in, in, in your experience growing up and it creates a lot of trauma and uh, a lot of inauthenticity trying to try I tried to pretend that I was a woman for years I'd I'd made a very good job of it if you look at pictures of me in the in in uh in the aughties I had long blonde hair I looked like quite a gorgeous blonde woman you know when I sat on the advisory council the misuse of drugs I had a female name and I looked like a gorgeous blonde woman um and uh, you know so I performed fe femininity quite well but I felt like I was in drag and also like you said my how I understand and can connect with a trans person's journey is when I was a little boy, the assumption was that I would be straight, that I would marry a woman and that I would have children. Yes, I didn't quite have the vocabulary or the emotional maturity to understand that I was like, hmm, I find boys interesting. Um, and I don't know what those words were. And I remember me having to go through that journey of recognizing, oh, I'm attracted to the same gender. That I am, and how difficult that was. So I can only imagine how much harder it must be for someone who feels inside like something's different and everyone else is telling them otherwise. And again, yeah. when you compare the gay journey and struggle to a trans person's struggle, I don't want to even put them on the same level. I feel that it's probably a lot harder. So when you were eight, they find out that you have both chromosomes when I, I didn't have both chromosomes actually i just had xy chromosomes rather than xx they were expecting to find that i had xx but i had xy and they they discovered that I, instead of ovaries i had testes so, so they, i had te testes and a vagina so yeah so you have a vagina outward presenting vagina and inward uh testes how when was this you were eight what year was this 1977 so in 1977 there is no way. I mean, we're struggling with transgender issues right now. Yes. 1977, how did your parents take the news when they take you to the doctor and they say, by the way, how did they react? What did they say? What was presented to them? Sure. Well, actually, my doctor was a guy called Sir John Professor Dewhurst. He was the world eminent gynecologist in London. Uh, he had medical students from all around the world come and train with him. He wrote the, the Guide to Gynecology and Obstetrics, which is called Dewhurst, and it's still called Dewhurst. That's the Bible. Uh, somebody else said it's for him now because de he's dead. But um, he believed and he, um, he enacted the policy of adopting the psychologist John Money's theory that if a child was raised in a gender um, and especially if the parents weren't told there was any complication or any possibility they might not be that gender or sex that there would be a more successful outcome so he didn't tell my parents that I had testes he told my parents and me that I had cancerous ovaries that was a lie I didn't have cancerous anything I had completely healthy testes but he felt it was better to take out my healthy testes and to tell my parents that I had cancerous ovaries because then they would effectively raise me, continue raising me as a girl. I'd be socialised as a girl. And if they took my testes out, it would stop me growing tall. I would have grown as tall as my dad, who was six foot. I would have been much more of an ectomorph. Um, and they put me on oestrogen hormone replacement when I was 12 years old to make me look as female as possible. So, I mean, for anyone listening to this, and I know in 2023, it to me, it just sounds insane that a doctor yes. would make, <laughs> no. that would make a decision, not yes. only for you, but for your entire family. Yes. My and mother, when she did discover, was furious because she was a nurse. And so she, she worked in the National Health Service, which this doctor was part of the National Health Service. She was a perfect medical professional, and he lied to her about her own child's medical medical situation. And also just the nerve. What do you think, you're God, that you get to decide? Yes. Oh, they did. Uh, he did think he was God. And he also thought he was God's servant on earth. He was a very, very devout Catholic who went to Mass every day. And he very much saw himself as perfecting God's handiwork. He saw us as people who'd come out of the kiln slightly incorrect. And so he was tweaking God's handiwork to make sure that Adam and Eve 
was perfectly manifested. Do you know if there was ever any repercussion to this doctor? Because if he made this decision with you, I'm sure there are other patients out there that he put his hand in and- Oh, totally. The the reason why I live in Hollywood and um, my life's mission is to get intersex and trans stories told by Hollywood, because obviously the stories told by Hollywood reach the world. The reason why I'm here and not back home living, you know, near my mother, who's you know getting getting on a bit now and missing the last years of her life is because my doctor literally trained all of those doctors from around the world who are now the leadership doctors around the world and he trained them how to diagnose intersex people and we shouldn't even be being diagnosed most of us don't have anything actually wrong with us that needs any medical intervention at all but they pathologized us so that doctors could then fit us into one of the two boxes male or female by chopping off bits of our genitals or chopping bits out of our endocrine system so he trained those doctors to do that it was a medical policy to reinforce the gender gender and sex binary um and so i was my body was actually used after my operation in 1977 i then went back to london every six months which was quite a journey because i lived in winchester which is you know a journey as a child but he called me up to london every six months just so i could lie on the bed and he could use my body to show that six months um you know group of students from around the world how to diagnose my variation of intersex um, and he did that until I was he did that until I was about 12 or 13 years old so I tra- my body was used to train hundreds of doctors so at eight you go in and you have the surgery where they basically take out your testes yes they took out my healthy testes but they did it under their the oh he has these are cancerous ovaries so yes. that lie so they take out your testes and then not only is he completely altering your body but then you come back every six months and you're you're the example he's using on how yes. to diagnose and that was very traumatic and you can imagine we know you know i mean I'm, I'm a therapist as i mentioned and i've done a lot of work in terms of trauma my own personal trauma healing journey and training with some of the best trauma experts in the world so i can work with clients around trauma any surgery you do on a child's genitals is akin to rape trauma. So it's like being raped by your doctor. And it, you can imagine how embarrassing it is to lie on a bed and have a sheet lifted up and have doctors, you know, a room full of doctors, literally a room full of doctors, all look at your body in the most intimate way. It's completely exposing. And it also sets up a dynamic where many intersex children go on to be sexually abused by adults because we don't have any boundaries around our body. We're taught that we don't have any rights over privacy. So when abusers are very good at spotting vulnerable children. So many intersex children, after they've had their surgery, go back into their local communities and have a beacon flashing above their head that says, abuse me. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because in addition to all of this happening, and also, where were your parents during these inspections? Because now that you mentioned this, I thought, would I let my child be naked, even though it is a doctor, without me being in the room? And as a yes. non-parent, I would say no. But I Yes. But the thing is, the story that they were told, right, this is, again is how the lie of the story was so insidious. They told my parents, oh, you're so lucky that we've diagnosed this because if your child hadn't had this discovered when they were a teenager and they hit puberty, their ovaries would have become cancerous and they would have died because it would have been too late. So my doctor was seen as my saviour. And of course, when you have a saviour dynamic with a doctor, if he says to you, look, we know this won't be very pleasant for your child, but they're a very resilient kid. They're bright. They understand this. Can we use your child in this way to train these other doctors? Then we can save other children. So literally, I was being sacrificed on the altar of, quote, saving all of these other children around the world, when in fact I was being used to train these doctors to abuse all these other children around the world. And on top of that, as you're going through this, you are not identifying as a female. You no, are no, no. At no point in all of those meetings with my doctor, and he always used to say to me, oh, you're such a clever little girl. It's so nice speaking to you. You're such a clever little girl, but not clever enough to respect with the truth or not clever enough to actually say, how do you feel about yourself? Do you feel like you're a little girl? If he'd have ever said that to me, I'd have said, no, I'm a tomboy. I feel like I'm a boy. I love boy things. I don't, I, I don't, I feel like I'm not a girl. It's really weird. So, yeah. So at 12, so you from after your surgery around 8 to 12, you're basically going, going back every six months. 
Yeah. You said at 22, what is it? What is it that happened? So what happened was it was um, I, I'm always I must actually work this out exactly. It's either tw- it was uh, just after I finished university and I graduated in '93, so I must have been 24. Um, I had a girlfriend and she started asking me lots of questions. Um, so at this point, I'm still identifying as a woman, but I come out as queer at 17. I got my first girlfriend when I was 17. I thought, oh, maybe that's it. Maybe that's the missing piece. I'm a lesbian. I'm a I'm a butch lesbian. Uh, and uh, and so, so maybe, maybe that explains the gender the gender aspect of this. It's just that I'm queer. So anyway, I had this girlfriend who was like ten years older than me, and she just kind of went through my story with a clear kind of head of not without the brainwashing, and just started picking apart holes in the story and asking me questions and giving me things to say to the. I got a new gynecologist in London who wasn't related to those original the original original gynecologist, and this new doctor. I started asking some difficult questions, and so they basically decided to get honest with me and tell me the truth which they did in the most unceremonious, traumatizing way. So those doctors were able to figure out that it wasn't a cancerous thing. In fact, you have testes and they took reboot them. Well, the thing is, the doctors in America and around the world, for my particular condition, as I said, it's called androgenous sensitivity syndrome. They're still pushing the lie that surgery needs to happen and the testes need to be removed because okay. they say they say there is a chance of cancer. Well, that chance of cancer of these internal testes becoming cancerous is less than the chance of a teenage girl's breast becoming cancerous. So them removing the testes would be like removing every single pair of young girls' breasts because one day they might get breast cancer. When you look at it that way, it's that is insane. Now, so so at twenty four, here you are. So you're identifying kind of as a queer lesbian individual, butch, butch baby dyke lesbian, yeah, butch baby dyke lesbian. If that's not a t-shirt, I don't know what is. <laughs> so you are female presenting at this moment, at this time. I actually look quite similar to how I look now. I was going through quite a sort of butch kind phase. Of, okay, so you, so at this point, you've kind of come to accept kind of it's like okay i'm a butch presenting lesbian this is the yeah. that you have so what happens after that they explain everything to you what are the next steps and how you move forward with this sure. Derek Jarman came into my life a few years before I found that truth and he actually died just before I found out the truth so I didn't know I was intersex when I was friends with Derek I basically Derek Jarman is an incredible filmmaker for those of you in your audience who don't know him he discovered Tilda Swinton I, I had the great privilege of hanging out with Tilda Swinton many times I mean I'm in Derek's film Wittgenstein which Tilda was the lead actor in um so yeah so um Derek was an incredible human being he was the first person in the UK to come out as living with HIV and AIDS and AIDS actually killed him in 94 so for the whole time I knew him from um I think it was either 90 or 91 I met him to when he died in 94 he had severe illnesses emerging illnesses that eventually killed him but the thing about Derek was he was a huge proponent of queer and writer about queer you know he gave amazing sentences uh, phrases that I still use today like heterosock he described the society we're living as being raised in heterosock where all of the normative rules are you know made by the straight population to you know and it's tied in with patriarchy obviously but he was an incredible filmmaker an incredible artist and he helped me to become very positive about being a queer person who didn't have to fit into you know society's expectations or rules about my gender or my sexuality you know there was very much a division between the gay people and the queer people and the gay people were in this group that went and had champagne with the prime minister and started the kind of political legal process of making changes in the early 90s and then the queer people were the people lying in the streets and doing the direct direct action and refusing to you know refusing to live by the expectations of straight society well it's interesting too when you look at the gay history sorry the the gay movement in this country um you know it was the transgender people of color queer people in the front lines and I remember reading an article a while back saying, you know, the wealthy gays, the gays that had, you know, jobs that gave them power and and money and titles, they're not the ones at the forefront. They're not the ones fighting the fight because they don't Absolutely. want to risk. They don't want to yeah. risk whatever it is they have. It's the people in the fringes, the people of color, transgender, non-binary people. They are the ones who make the movement go forward. 
I mean, sure. but now I, it, it's the same thing. Now I see younger gays now and I feel like, oh, wow, your ability to express yourself. I mean, at 21, I didn't have this ability. And even now, when I walk into a room and I'm in a space, the thought crosses my mind. It's like, oh, how are they going to react when they figure out I'm gay? And I'll see young kids, they don't care. They flaunt mm-hmm. it. They've got the nail polish, their hip hoppers, hip drifts, wearing jewelry. And I look at them and I feel, wow, your ability to express yourself. I know. And I, I love that. It's amazing. Yeah. I'm wearing this T-shirt today for um, a song called Troubled Teen by the young non-binary trans artist Day Mori, incredible young artist, D-A-Y-M-O-R-I. And um, I've I've worked with Day. I produced the video for this single Troubled Teen, um, and um, you know they're they're one of these young queer people who have who are completely themselves, and it's so fantastic to see. And they they've got over six hundred and sixty thousand followers on TikTok. So TikTok of young TikToks. Look how old am I? <laughs> of young queer people all around the world, young trans people, young non-binary people who are, who are just not prepared to make the compromises. They just know that they they have a right to be themselves and that's beautiful and that's wonderful and i think that's that's different as well it's like back in 1977 when you started going through this there wasn't this platform where so much information can come in at once you know when i remember living in a third world country there wasn't a willingness there wasn't a jack there weren't all these shows that gave you like oh oh that's interesting that's kind of how i identify and i people choose ignorance i mean you look at what's happening in florida with the books and education it's like why would you choose ignorance at one point this child is going to be out in the real world and they're going to have a rude awakening when they see how the rest of the world functions because you brought them up in a bubble um so 22 you find out this this new thing how do you do? Because now you present, how would you identify the way you present yourself now? I am transmasculine, non-binary and intersex. And if someone were to see you just standing across the street, what, yes. what do you think in the limited view that people have of male and female, yeah. mm-hmm. what would they see from a distance? Male. I get, I get gendered male like 99% of the time, even when I'm wearing a really tight t-shirt that, that shows off my 38 double Ds. It's like I look so male with my facial stubble and I, you know my voice and everything that they that it's almost like these these breasts dematerialize. People can't see them because it conflicts with their their binary expectation. Uh, you know, as an actor in Hollywood, it would be much easier for me to have top surgery and to go fully trans mask. But the reality is. I've always felt more, you know, I didn't have the words when I was when I was younger because we didn't know that non-binary was a thing. But I I really I I don't want to reject the feminine aspects of myself. You know, I can't you know, I have got a boy pussy and I enjoy that. And I have got these tits and I enjoy them, the sensuality of having tits. I yeah, there are some times when I'd like to wear a flat t-shirt and for the t-shirt and certain outfits would just fit better if it was if it was flat. I know that. But these 38 double Ds mean that. I can seduce straight men still, which is fun. I like straight men. And I suspect quite a few gay men would be quite jealous to hear that. You know, having a boy pussy and tits, even if you look very male, means that you can still get some very hot straight men to show an interest, which is fun. Which is, I mean, you know, it's so funny because sometimes people bring up this whole thing about trans and sex and porn. And I feel like if you really look at who wants and is desiring and seeking out this type of porn, it's straight men. Because for the yes. most part, gay boys, gay men are going to want male presenting. This is a huge generalization I'm making. Mm-hmm. But most of the gay men I know want men, want a penis, and want all the things that makes a male body. Mm-hmm. Straight men, if we're going to use that term, you know, straight, there is a curiosity for them to have mm-hmm. someone who is female presenting with a penis or this combination and the unfortunate thing for all of us is that that's looked as a bad thing. And I wish that they would just see, hey, there's nothing wrong with me liking this. But with that means, oh, wait, does that make me gay? Well, if you look mm-hmm. at history about being gay, it's not a thing you want to be based on what yeah. the societal pressures we have. So it's like if people would just let others be. And I think that is the biggest thing that I'm realizing 
why do you care how someone chooses to dress? If you choose to wear a dress and you're a male or you paint your nails or you do earrings or who cares? It doesn't impact you in any way. Why do you care if someone is choosing to express their gender identity in a particular way? You know, I feel lucky in a way because I was born a boy and I like being a guy. I like all the things that make me being a guy. I remember the first time I did drag for Halloween. You know, there was a little bit of a speed bump I had to get over because Mm -hmm. especially being Latino, this whole old male thing, guys don't do girl things. Well, it turns out I make a really pretty woman in drag. And I was like, it was actually very therapeutic for me to do drag. It was like, oh, Sergio, you're a guy and you are this comfortable with yourself that you can do this. And I wish that people would realize Mm -hmm. these are the things that happen when you expose yourself and you try things you get a better sense of who you are i didn't do drag and feel the need to be a woman the next day no i mean but in drag i want to be a fabulous woman i want to just be <laughs> i mean if i can do sofia vergara in drag i would do it every other weekend um, <laughs> but and that's the thing that i feel that people just don't realize they have such a limited uninformed view of the journey and struggle of a gay person and especially a trans person just read a book read a book and also and i say this to all my friends all the time all of us say we want inclusivity we want diversity and we want rights and you know we don't want to body shame but yet when you look at your circle of friends if they all look like you and they all think like you are you really diverse you know how many and i ask this of my straight friends how many gay people do you actually know and you get together with and you understand and know their life. Not just talking about pop culture or some singing diva. Like how many genuine connections do you have where you talk to a gay person and you kind of understand their world? And I think if straight people would expose themselves to our journey, our struggle, and this is something that I've been feeling a little more um, motivated to discuss with straight people and even in my comedy of, My reality is every time I enter a room, every time I go on stage, if there's a group of men coming toward me, it crosses my mind. How are they going to react when they figure out I'm gay and am I potentially at risk? Yes, is there there a safety risk? Is there a safety risk? And I bet you for the most part, straight men never have to go on anywhere and be like, how are people going to react when they find out I'm straight? Everyone assumes you're straight and no one's going to chastise you for that. Mm -hmm. Now, I know it's kind of difficult to, really narrow this but now everything that you know about life and your journey if you could go back to the eight-year-old self and you had control would you have let things play out to see how your body would have naturally developed would you Mm -hmm. would, would you recommend that to a parent now like yes you have a child that happens to be born having both genitalias in whatever variation and they have don't do anything Let's see what the body naturally does. And one outcome could very well be that the person comes to accept and want to keep whatever that genitalia is. Some people may want to close, you know, close it and make it a boy. Some people may want to not. Yes. And I think this is a very important question. Thank you. I do work with parents of intersex babies and children, uh, and I really suggest that they that they do wait and don't follow the doctor's advice to pursue surgery early and really let the child find out who they are and then for the child to make an informed decision uh, about about whether they do want surgery uh, later on you know and also um you know there are many people within the intersex community now Hida Valoria is one of the most fantastic intersex people uh, who's been an absolute trailblazer in our community um Hida was the first person to go on Oprah's show for example and come out as being an intersex person Hida was very fortunate that their parents let them stay whole they didn't agree to have any surgery and uh, they've lived a very happy fulfilled and sexual sexual and emotional life with a with a fully intact intersex body so those few individuals who who did get through the net um you know have gone on to have very happy lives um so uh so yes that's definitely my advice and as the intersex community you know interact advocates um uh 
have spoken to lots and lots of intersex people and intersex parents and we are building up a groundswell of people around the world to say to doctors stop the surgery i mean that's what again why i'm in hollywood to educate people that we are a natural variation of humanity native americans recognized us as two spirits and they see us as the best warriors and the best healers you know and um uh, many communities around the world there are communities in india and many other um ancient um uh, communities wise communities who honor intersex people and trans people as variations of humanity that are important we're an important part of the tribe uh, you know there's a lot of common cis straight people out there breeders as we call them in the gay community there's plenty of breeders it's good having some special and different people who can add a different perspective there are also some things about being intersex which haven't been um explored by science yet and which you'd think would be fairly important like for example i'm 53 and i had a 20-year addiction career and i look pretty good I'm told, you know, in terms of my aging, I haven't done any Botox or any surgery or any of that stuff. Intersex people often age slower than the general population. That's one of the weird quirks of our biology. Now, you think that science would want to unlock what it is about intersex biology that makes us age slower than the average population, given that the anti-aging industry is a multi-billion dollar business. But they haven't done that research on us. And instead, they're offering doctors the ability to uh, abort intersex babies, intersex fetuses, because, they, because they've, they've labelled us disorders of sexual development. They see us as embryos that have problems. And so they offer the parents the option of aborting us because every parent, of course, wants a boy or a girl. They don't want this weird third sex person that they know nothing about. Um, so, uh, so science has progressed clearly a lot that you can identify a gender, but at early on, they can identify if a child may have, you know, this XY chromosome thing happening that early on. And I'm sure Republicans are okay with these abortions. Um, <laughs> yes. I did not know that. I did not. Yes. Amniocentesis tests um, can identify a lot of intersex conditions now. Yes. And actually, yes, those same people who are so anti-abortion do actually support um, the abortion of, of, you know, fetuses, which are, which are, uh, are deemed to be, you know, um, you know, not properly made in some way, not fitting the Adam and Eve picture of humanity. And also, um, a lot of, you know, we know that there's so much anti-trans legislation happening around America now, so many of these bills, and it's and there's an absolute obsession and outrage about the idea of giving medical healthcare treatment to trans youth, letting trans youth stop um, the biological, um, you know, hormonal transition to the sex that they don't feel like they are, and letting a young person have any kind of surgery, like top surgery, the idea of letting a trans man uh, who's a teenager have top surgery is completely shocking to these people those very same doctors and the people tabling this very same legislation are all writing in exceptions to allow doctors to carry on doing intersex surgery because the reality is that the surgery on us confirms the system it confirms heterosoc it confirms confirms the binary whereas trans questions and throws into throws up for debate what it is that creates sex and gender you know or what is sex and gender it's so interesting because I remember watching the Oprah episode and she had quite a few guests in there and there was a particular guest who was born and the doctors and the parents decided to uh, close it up and identify it as a boy. So as this person was growing up, they were a little feminine. They thought, oh, maybe I'm gay and we're not that masculine. And they were just, oh, he's just, you know, he's just soft fast mm -hmm. forward this person is puberty and all of a sudden boobs come out and not just any boobs this person happened to be stacked so mm -hmm. so he's sitting there male presenting you know whole in a non-scientific way of putting this mm -hmm. things were zipped up and the male genitalia was left out and fast forward they hit puberty and boobs come out yeah. And now he is having to navigate this world of like, wait a minute, why are these here? Realizing, oh, this is why I've always felt this way. I identified and felt more like a woman, but since mm -hmm. the doctors made the decision to make it a boy. So something I did not know, 
that depending on the size of your clitoris, you either have a big clitoris or a small or a small penis. Mm -hmm. I guess this person must have had a clitoris big enough that it was a small penis presenting. And then well, it, it sounds like maybe they had a, what they call a micro penis as well, or maybe maybe they had mixed genitals, but they had a micro penis, and they decided it was a, a big enough penis to pass the locker room test, as they yeah. say. And if the right. penis part, if it doesn't pass the locker room test, if it is a micro penis, and they think the boy is going to function, is going to get bullied for having too small a penis, they do sometimes assign female. Wow. So yeah. So in this particular case, they decided male. Fast forward at 13, she starts to develop and boobs come out. And, and I, what do you think it is that, I mean, I think from my, where I'm standing, part of it is just people are not informed. Um, yeah. You know, so you have one problem is people are not informed. The second problem is the people who are who have agendas and actually can make movement and, and, and still uh, put laws in place have a negative agenda. And I don't know what drives them other than clearly you're uninformed. Because if you read a book, if you really wanted to understand what trans is about, you would understand what this is. No, I, you see, I think it's more. I think it's more complicated than that, Sergio. Sorry to interrupt you, but um, and I wanted to make this point earlier on, actually, but things moved on. If we look at porn searches around America, Google's very good for giving the data on porn searches. The areas that are that search for trans porn the most are the highly Republican areas. So there's there's a, a real unconscious and conscious sexual desire for trans bodies by these very people who would legislate against us and who publicly hate us. They publicly hate us and they privately jerk off to us. And this is why this is such a complicated and heated heated area because we are battling with the unconscious and the reality of who we are as individuals as individuals every human is complex we all have complicated sexual lives in terms of we all have things that we desire which which feel like they're not acceptable to us because of our religious belief system or our, our society's belief system or whatever Ever. So we've all got this kind of struggle between who we actually authentically really are and who we think we should be and must present to the world. And because intersex people, trans people really press all of those buttons, which is why this is such a fierce debate and why it's so scary to a lot of people, because a lot of people are thinking, oh, am I man enough? You know, am I female enough? You know, like there's a lot of cis straight men who grow breasts, you know, because, again, sex isn't as clear cut as women have breasts and men don't. Jack Nicholson, I wrote an article about about this and I said, you know, in the L.A. Times, if you Google seven grand plus L.A. Times, you can read this. I said, Jack Nicholson has a lovely pair of moves, you know, they're very big, probably 36D. And he can get his tits out on the beach and nobody question it because they are moves. They're man breasts with man nipples. Whereas if I got my breasts out, which are 38D, but because, I, you know, it, it, I might still get arrested because they look like feminine breasts, but on a man, you know, so so there's all of these different rules. And a lot of these rules are lines in the sand that we choose to live by. And I think what you were saying, too, about, you know, these Republican places where the biggest Google search for trans porn I think the reason they are conflicted is because we're villain, not we, but society is villainizing transgender people. So if you get off on a female presenting person who has a penis, you are made to feel that that's bad. So yes. what I was saying, is, is it a lack of information? Because we can all be fetishized. I mean, if I had a dollar every time some white guy came up to me and said, oh, I love Latino men, get out of here. It's like, that's the thing we're going to have. So yes, so someone is going to, you know, being into black men only or Asian men or Latinos or females with penises and whatever variation in there. Mm -hmm. So there's that that's mm -hmm. made to look like a taboo. But then you have people who just are uninformed, don't really understand all the things that can make a person be in this space of transgender and gender identity. And then you have the people who are politicians who have the power to put laws in place. And I'm not sure, clearly they're uninformed, but they also have a negative agenda. And I think yes. this is because of that negative agenda, that guy in Oklahoma Googling, you know, chicks with dicks or whatever fetish it is, mm -hmm. they have, that person is conflicted because they're not allowed to express the things they want and they learn to do it in the dark, which is something I think a lot of gay people and trans people, unfortunately, is a muscle we develop. Because we yes. learn early on that, oh, wait a minute, what I am is not accepted. So yes. we start to present ourselves 
in the way that we think society wants us to be. And that is that is a realization I've had within the last two years. I've had to filter and almost curate myself to a way that, oh, this is acceptable. You can behave this way, Sergio. And I didn't realize I've been navigating this since I was a little kid. I remember thinking in the second grade there was something different about me. And I remember hearing gay was bad. And when I finally put the two together, I was like, oh, how do I present myself so this thing is not bad? So every gay transgender person, this is the cross we bear. When we're out in the world, we are constantly navigating. How do I present myself so I am safe? It is, it's, it's, it's been an interesting one because I transitioned late in life. So the bit I haven't told you is that, so I was only student from 12. In my, I moved to America in 2015. And in 2016 and 2017, I started getting sick. I, I was putting on more and more weight, even though I was eating super healthy and going to the gym and everything. And my legs started, I started getting problems with my legs, especially my ankles, my Hercules heels, to the point that I was in pain every day. I could only walk like 100 foot without it really hurting. I didn't go to the doctor because I had so much medical fear that I put off going to the doctor. And I put it off for six months until one day my legs stopped working. I literally was walking the dog and I had to drag my left leg home. Um, and then I went to the doctor because I thought I had MS. You know, I thought, oh, my goodness, I'm heading for a wheelchair. I've got MS. I went to the doctor and they ran blood tests on me and they discovered that my body was washing the estrogen out. It was basically just get rid getting rid of it. And so I had the hormone profile of somebody in their 90s. So they said to me, well, why don't we try you on testosterone because your body's rejecting estrogen? A uh, completely unexpected long-term result of me being on HRT of estrogen. So I said, fine, give me some testosterone if you think it could help. They gave me a testosterone shot. Within three days, I started to feel better. The pain started to ease. I then went on to make a full recovery and I'm fitter, fitter than I've ever been my whole life. I cycle and skateboard every day. But uh, I also, three days after the first tee shot, wrote a Jerry Maguire-esque mission statement to OKCupid as the first dating agency that I joined. And I wrote a fuck it list of all of the things which I'd never done sexually. And I just basically, testosterone liberated me. I suddenly felt like myself again. I realized the things that I'd lost from eight years old when they took my testes. I said, I hadn't really, I didn't know it until I got that testosterone back in my system, but I hadn't felt truly like myself since I was a child. And suddenly I felt like myself and uh, I felt my masculinity coming back online. And I went out on and went on this most amazing, amazing sexual adventure that I called Project Panda to discover who I am as a sexual being. And uh, finally, I developed sexual self-worth, uh, some sexual skills. I slept with, well, slept with, had sex with a range of people across the gender spectrum because I literally had no idea who I am as a sexual being. You know, I'd lived as a lesbian most of my adult life. I'd been married to two women. I'd experienced lesbian bed death twice. If you don't know what lesbian bed death is google it it's horrific um and and then i discovered that i actually really quite like dick and i quite like men and masculinity um and so i i, I went and i went on to grinder and i went on to more male orientated apps and um it's been interesting you, you made a comment earlier about men and, and and what people desire and everything and again i think one of the reasons intersex people are so threatening when i went on the testosterone my my big picture has started growing it grew and it grew and it grew like jack's beanstalk to the point that now i really do have a penis and a boy pussy i've got something for everybody and you know it's it's interesting I, you know i'm able to have all sorts of different kinds of sexual pleasure and give all sorts of different kinds of sexual pleasure so i see it as a huge gift now i feel very kind of in my kundalini sexual energy and power and you really see that on stage it was lovely last week i performed at the out of the closet show at the comedy chateau with a very queer audience and you can really see how i'm in my sexual power and able to connect with the audience as a sexual being and had a, had a lot of fun and the audience had a lot of fun with it too I, I give i give people permission to tap into their their desires and their creative imagination and i think many of us have bits of our sexuality that we haven't had the confidence or the the courage or or been inspired to explore and i hope that i will do that for america that i will i will help liberate america from the shackles of sexual repression that you're currently living with well yeah i mean and i think as a performer it's especially doing stand-up comedy there it's just Comedy, I think, is probably one of the toughest 
forms of entertainment because you write it, you direct it, you produce it, and you star in it. Oh, I have this short window to tell you who I am, get you yeah. to get on my side and go along in this journey. And yes. as a performer, I see so many straight white men go up and make gay jokes and the audience yeah. just eat it up and they think it's hilarious. And I'm like, interesting. I go up and I make a gay joke and it's deer in the headlights. And <laughs> it's just like, oh, so you're okay with a dick sucking joke if a straight guy delivers it. But if I deliver that same joke, oh, dude, that's too much. So mm-hmm. I find particularly LA audiences, they're so politically incorrect because they laugh at a rape joke and things that are so awful. But they're also so touchy and uptight that whenever I go into a gay joke, they kind of freeze. And I kind of like what you said earlier, I'm going in this on this journey of how do I present myself? Once again, I'm in a position where how do I present myself so things work out okay? And I'm choosing an industry where someone is always going to have feedback. Someone's always going to say they like you or they don't. <laughs> and depending on the night, you might kill or you might bomb. And yeah. That changes from show to show, from day to day. It is interesting, this navigating. And once again, I, I, it's a journey I've been on in the last two couple of years, navigating being yourself and feeling safe and somehow presenting it in a way that the audience can take it. Yes. And then Absolutely. you gradually double down. Yeah. And and respect to you for 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 being brave and putting yourself on stage and going through all of that because it's it's difficult and you know I know that you've been a stand up for some time and you've got really respected shows and you know you bring a lot of new comedians into the spotlight and having people like you who've gone on that path and stood up and faced that homophobia from the audience and faced it down and made them laugh at themselves that's been enormously important important to us so thank you for doing that and i have to tell you i still deal with that homophobia it is so interesting i i'll I'll do a set and i start with basic jokes and they're on board they're on board they're laughing ha 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 as soon as i say the gay joke dear nad lights and i need to break that and say oh Oh, you guys are homophobes? Or I, I want to <laughs> yes. call it out. Call yeah. it out in a, in a teasy way, definitely. It really way. And I love comedians yeah. who... The other problem I have with it, honestly, is that audiences have one version of gay. So if mm. I go up there and give you Jack from Will and Grace, they think it's hilarious. Because yes. their version of gay is that. If yes. I go up there and give you a stereotypical Latino, they, they take that. But I'm not at either extreme of those things. I'm somewhere in the middle. You know, I'm not the most masculine man in the world, but I'm also not Jack. And I'm not, you know, some Latino who, you know, Odele talks like this, what's going on? You know, so they don't quite know how what to do with me. And mm-hmm. it, and the times I do make gay jokes, jokes, it is interesting to see how many straight men will come to me after the show mm-hmm. and kind of flirt. And I feel like, what's going on here? What are you doing? It's a shame. I feel sorry sometimes for straight identifying cis men because their what's acceptable for them to express and desire is put in one little narrow lane. Yes. Women, you're the man, here's a woman. And it's like, there's this huge range. I found women attractive and I still find women attractive. I am physically more drawn to men. I've also just had sex with men way more than I've had with women. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I sometimes wonder to myself, I'm like, what would I actually be like sexually if I was not forced to choose the box and I was yes. just pick the box gay because I gravitated toward men, especially once I started to become a, an adult and man and I hit puberty, I was like, oh, the male things seem interesting to me, but I equally find breasts to be attractive. And there was a really attractive one. There was a couple last night at, at the show, very attractive, Morgan and Eric. I can safely say that had they come to me and said, hey, would you be interested in coming home with us? I probably would have really, really, 90% considered doing it. I yeah, found exactly. both equally attractive. I was like, that's a good looking guy and that's a good looking woman. Um, Sounds like a fun night. Yeah, I know. And, you know, I have to admit, it is on my bucket list to do, um, but I don't proactively seek it out. So it's very interesting as myself, a cis man identifying gay person, I, I navigate the world. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. God, if I was bisexual, like really, really bisexual, I would be having so much fun. Mm. Because there's just so many options that would be available. Why mm. are men only? They're the worst. Um, <laughs> so now just to kind of wrap things up, 
one, I really appreciate you sharing this journey because, you know, had, and I'll be fully honest, had I seen you from a distance and not taken the time to understand who you were, I don't know how I would have reacted because you are male presenting. And if I would have noticed you have boobs, I would have been like, is that just a butch lesbian? Like, I know that even myself, someone who's part of the LGBTQ community, I would have found myself kind of wondering, like, huh? Now, I would have not challenged it or questioned you on it, but I know it would have been a thought in my mind. So I appreciate you sharing this because now that I understand the journey you went through and the trauma you experienced as a child, as a young adult, and eventually having to come out so many different times, you know, come out as a butch lesbian, that taking hormones, taking uh, all these things to kind of find who you are. I appreciate you sharing that journey and that your story because I honestly feel what's wrong with us is that we're not sharing our stories. Yes. People only hear the story that, that relate to that. One of the things that made me want to launch the podcast is because I wanted to share these stories. You know, my view is limited. I'm a cis male guy who, Latino, who's only 5'8 on a good day, um, presents in a particular way. My exposure is limited. My view is limited. So when I hear these different stories and I encounter people, they give me something to think about. I'm like, oh, wow, this is really interesting. I'm so grateful I got to learn about this. So thank you for sharing your story with us and being brave enough and strong enough to be this open. People are afraid to share how they feel. And it's like, no, just just be yourself. And so thank you for doing that. Oh, my pl- my pleasure, Sergio. Thank you so much for having me. I, I admire and respect your work enormously. And, you know, I'm also just very aware that I had a lot of privilege. You know, I was... And I hit a, we haven't gone into it today. And in a way, I'm glad because it's out there on social media and, you know, people will Google it and find out. But I ended up in rehab in 2001 and I went to, I ended up doing a lot of rehab, nine months residential rehab, uh, just celebrated 21 years sober. And I also did three months of residential trauma rehab when I was 10 years sober. So I had a lot of privilege that enabled me to be able to do that, which most people don't, don't, don't have. And I also had a supportive family, supportive friends, a supportive recovery community around me. All of those people enabled me to face that shame and that trauma. Because, you know, when I found out that truth that I was intersex, I nearly killed myself. You know, I thought, oh, my God, you're a effing freak. Nobody's going to love you. Everybody's going to think you're weird. And my addiction just went crazy. Um, so to come back from that place in the 90s to being, you know, 21 years sober and living in Hollywood as a Brit and carrying this message and hopefully educating Hollywood and getting into sex and trans and queer stories told and BIPOC stories as well. I feel a lot of connection with BIPOC communities because I understand what it is to have a body that is that is kind of not seen as being as good as other people. You know, I think our stories are very different, but I but I've always felt empathy and connection with BIPOC communities and what, what is that by uh, yes um black indigenous people of color oh oh so it's an acronym i had never heard it before. yeah oh yeah but sorry maybe it's a british acronym i don't know people of color. i'm like are you talking about k-pop for a second <laughs> no <laughs> i've got i've got i got to work i i, I love working with young I, I like working with people who traditionally hollywood has ignored basically those yeah. people who haven't been part of the mainstream narrative who hollywood has ignored their stories i feel empathy and connection with those people and want to uplift people so that we have so that we recognize the importance of all of our stories and i i very much have problems with the idea that the future is female i think if we are to survive as humanity we need to recognize that we are all spirits having a material existence and see our connections and see the strength of seeing ourselves as one diverse very diverse family and realize that this is this is all of our planet and we all deserve a share of it and we all deserve to be listened to and respected and treated you know as if we're equal and to move away from this idea that this tiny minority of white rich old men are the important ones and everybody else has to accept the crumbs from the table i don't buy into that at all i believe that we're all goddesses goddex children and we this is all this is our planet it belongs to all of us yeah no, and, and you're, you're absolutely right so yeah now if people wanted to find you on social media what is your instagram Thank you. It's a bit of a strange one. It's angels, angel, plural, R-A-R-E, intersex, which is I-N-T-E-R-S-E-X. Angels are intersex. Um, my, uh, I'm 7G fun, 7 number, G fun on TikTok. 
um, and Seven Graham Solutions on Facebook. Uh, but if you Google my name, Seven Graham, um, you'll you'll find I come up. And spell out seven. S-E-V-E-N, just like the number, Graham, like the Graham crackers, which are delicious. So <laughs> that's in your mouth, not in your hand. No, that's a different category. <laughs> that's a different category. All right. Well, I will post all your social media and um and thank you again for sharing the story and for everyone listening. I hope that you're inspired or intrigued to just dig a little bit to understand what a trans person's journey might be. And it has nothing to do with the narrative politicians are using at the moment to make trans no. people seem like villains and predators that are trying to hurt children or take advantage. That's, yes. It's not about that. It's about no. authentically presenting yourself, which yeah. if you don't fit that box of straight male or straight female, it is very difficult to navigate the world and feel like you can be yourself and be safe and not be put in physical harm or get that promotion at work or just breed love and express who you are. So, yeah. so if you're that person who lives in a box and everyone looks like you and all your friends are like you and everyone has the same outlook, see what happens if you just open that box a little bit more and look outward and see what else and connect with people who don't look like you. Um, unless they're complete assholes, which they come in every shape and size. You don't need to interact with those people. All right, you guys, well, thank you so much again, Seven Graham. I will post all your social media. Thank you for sharing your story. And everyone else, I hope uh, we've expanded your view, your view just a little bit after hearing the story. All right, thank you guys. Bye. We, we all have a story. story. What's, what's yours? yours? What's yours?